0: Thank you, Pastor Paul. Thank you, Pastor Matt, for those kind words. And man, I, I, am, I have always said I'm, the, I'm a part of the greatest church, have the greatest staff. I am so blessed by all of you. Uh, welcome, everyone. Welcome, those who are joining us online. Today, I am so excited, not only because I get to speak on my favorite topic, I get to share from my favorite New Testament book. My favorite topic, of course, is... And my favorite New Testament book is Philippians. You know me by now. So I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's word. It's just one verse. And the message this morning is titled, Contending as One. Contending as One. And that actually comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 27, where Paul says these words. Whatever happens, conduct Yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. You may be seated. Before we talk about the contending I want to talk about the one. There is an awesome verse in Psalms 133, verse 1. It says this. How good and pleasant it is when brothers, when individuals, when one another, when the church lives together in unity. Come on, somebody. How good and pleasant it is when church lives together in unity. I want to talk about the power of oneness for a moment. I want to talk about the power of unity. In fact, we, we sang this song. Now I'll give you the context of where the song came from this morning. And Pastor Bonnie, I didn't know you were going to sing this song. But in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, it talks about how Solomon has finished the temple. And now it's time to bring the Ark of the Covenant from the tabernacle to the temple. And this is what it says. It says, The priests withdrew from the holy place. All the priests who who were there, they consecrated themselves. Regardless of their divisions... They consecrated themselves and, regardless of their divisions, they came together. It goes on to say that the worship team was there, and 120 priests took their trumpets and they began to sing in unison. With one voice. And you know what? They began to sing as the Ark of the Covenant was taken from the tabernacle into the temple that Solomon built. They started to sing in unison with one voice. Are you ready? The Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Lord, you are good, and his mercy endures forever. And it says that as they were singing, As one, there was a cloud that came and filled that temple where the priests could no longer perform their duties. And that cloud is known as the Shekinah glory, the presence of God, the power of oneness. Think about this. When you read about 120 priests bringing their trumpets and playing together Uh, We know of another place in Scripture where it talks about 120, don't we? In Acts chapter 1, verse 5, it says there were about 120 in the upper room. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were. With one accord in one place, with one accord in one place, despite their divisions, despite of their dis they were all together with one accord in one place. And come on, somebody, do you know what happened on that day of Pentecost? It says that the presence of the Holy Spirit filled every one of them, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Lord enabled them. The power of God came. The power. The strength of unity. The power of oneness. Maybe that's why it says a man will leave his father and mother and join his wife. And the two will be united as one. The power. The strength. The happiness of a marriage. Relies upon the husband and wife being on the same page, uniting together as one. Growing up, I always thought, oh, marriage is easy. You give a little, you take a little, 50 here, 50 there. Uh uh-uh. uh. Because I later in life read that husbands love your wives like Christ loved his church. And was willing to sacrifice all. Now, I'm telling you, if you're in a marriage where you give 50 and he gives 50, it ain't good enough, man. It's 100% of you laying your life down for one another. The power of unity, the power of oneness, the power of coming together in one accord. For a few moments, I just want to celebrate 28 years. Of what God has done through us as we have come together, despite our differences, despite our different opinions. Hey, hey! first and foremost, can I say something? There's no such thing as a perfect church. But when we overlook our differences and our divisions, and we come together as one, contending as one. To see this world saved for Jesus Christ. Look what can be done. Today's national BGMC. I was so excited about today. Because I had my outfit planned two weeks ago when we talked about getting sweatshirt. You know, it's so easy. I just knew what I was going to wear today. It's so cool. BGMC. Over 28 years, our children have given almost $63,000 in missions. (laughs) Come on. Yeah, highs and lows, ups and downs. But that averages, over the 28 years, that averages to $2,250. And you know what I think is so cool? That our leadership team among the children want to double that this year for their pledge and give $5,000 for coloring books in Mexico to give the children to talk about the love of Jesus Christ. Are you ready for this one? Over 28 years, Speed the Light, $343,500 for Speed the Light. This past year, they gave $51,000 with the help of the church a little bit for building wells. But I'm telling you, that's incredible. That means each year they give just about an average of $12,270. $12,270. That's what it's averaged over 28 years. And I think it's really cool that Pastor Paul, you want to quadruple the average. And he's made a pledge of another $50,000 this year for Speed of Light. Contending as one. And are you ready for this? As a church who has unified themselves and contended as one. To reach this world for Jesus Christ, over the past 28 years, we have given three million three hundred seventy-three thousand dollars. Come on, somebody! And this past year alone, we had our highest missions giving ever. Last year, we broke two hundred thousand mark. This year, we're a little over three hundred and fifty-eight thousand dollars give it up come on can we praise the lord the lord is good and his mercy endures forever 350 folks that's a lot of money but it's the power of unity it's the power of oneness and that's what i want to talk about today the one the first thing i want to talk about is being unified in spirit Being unified in spirit, because we'll never be unified in purpose if we're not first unified in the spirit. Paul says, whatever happens now, I need to stop right there and explain that. Whatever happens, what is Paul referring to? How many know we can't control all things? We can't control things. Sometimes we just get bad news. Whatever happens. So let me give you the historical context of what's taking place when Paul says these words: whatever happens. When Paul writes to the church at Philippi, most of you know this, he's in prison. He has been arrested for preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, he was arrested in Jerusalem. For telling others about the way. And being a Roman citizen, he, appe- he appealed to go before Caesar. Caesar is a synonymous with emperor. And the emperor at the time was Nero. And that's important to know. In fact, you can read about this in the last eight chapters of the book of Acts. Acts. And I'm so excited because at the end of April, uh, on Wednesday nights, we're going to have an eight-week study on the book of Acts. So if you don't know anything about the book of Acts, come out on Wednesday nights at the end of April. The last eight chapters talk about exactly what's going on right here. He's in prison, waiting trial. History tells us it took about two years for his trial to come about. And to make sure he wouldn't escape, 24-7, he was chained to a guard. House arrest. No cable TV. No exercise room. No three meals a day. Back then, the Roman government really didn't care about the humane uh, how. Uh, 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 care about their prisoners, you as a prisoner, you had to have friends and family care for you and bring the necessities of life: water, food, clothing. And there he is. Whatever happens, it must have been a physical and emotional strain. Come on, sometimes life isn't just not fair. And what he's basically saying is also, who's the emperor? Nero. He writes around 60, between 60 AD and 63 AD, in around that time when Nero was a nasty emperor who loved to persecute Christians. In fact, we know in AD 65, Rome burnt. And many believe it was Nero who set fire to his own city so he could blame the Christians. So this great persecution among Christians took place. So here's this emperor who hates Christians, who's probably Paul's life is on the line. And he says, Whatever happens, even if an injustice is served, even if I don't get justice, even if I'm proven guilty, sometimes life is not fair. Whatever happens, even in the midst of perhaps an injustice, Paul says, Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. I don't care what life may bring your way. Paul says, as Christians, we are always to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Now, in the King James, that word conduct says conversation. The the literal translation is citizen, live as a citizen. In, in uh, Philippians 3.20, Paul tells them that we're citizens of heaven. So when life is unfair, whatever happens, we are to always conduct ourselves as we are citizens of heaven. And in heaven, there is no sin. So Paul here, conduct yourself as a citizen of heaven even if I'm served at injustice, even if I'm sentenced to die just for preaching the good news, conduct yourselves as citizens of heaven, worthy of the gospel. Why? Why? Because this is what I believe Paul is saying. Why? Because missions start in your very home. Missions start at home. You will be my witnesses in where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I believe what Paul is saying here is no matter whatever takes place in your life, you are always to conduct yourself as a citizen of heaven because you're a witness to everyone else around you. It starts at home with your children. With your spouse. And you know what I think is so cool about this? Not only does Paul tell us to do this. But Paul has modeled it for us. You say, well, how has he modeled it? If you just go back a few verses, listen to what he says. Now, I want you to know, brothers that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He's taking pleasure in his trial. He's he's taking pleasure that he's been arrested. I thank God that I've been arrested because it has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Jesus Christ as guards were... uh, 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 as guards came to, to him and, and, and had to be chained to him for a period of time, there is Paul in the midst of an adverse circumstance conducting himself as a citizen of heaven. How, how do you even do that? In the midst of facing an injustice, in the midst of facing death, Paul, instead of being bitter, instead of complaining, he's got this pleasurable attitude that this is all working together for good how is it possible i'll tell you how it's possible for the last seven weeks we have i have met with 16 men on an average 16 men every saturday morning and we've gone through the book andrew murray's humility how can you die to self how can you die to pride How can you possibly love your enemy? How can you, in the midst of an injustice, conduct yourself in a worthy manner? You know what Andrew Murray says? You can't. You can't. He says, because self can never cast out self, even in a born-again man, even a regenerate man. Self cannot cast out self. We have this old sinful nature, and as much as you hate it, you can't cast it out. So what's the answer? Andrew Murray says, nothing but the presence of God can reveal and expel self. Nothing but the presence of God. That's why John the Baptist says, I must decrease and he must increase. Because the more of God in us, that's why we need to unify ourselves with the Spirit. As we unify ourselves with the Spirit, there becomes less of us, more of God. Which in the midst of an injustice, in the midst of whatever happens, we can always conduct ourselves as citizens of heaven. Andrew Murray has this great word picture. Water always goes to the lowest spot. Water always flows to the lowest spot. The presence of God always flows to the lowest spot. And the less there is of you, the more there is of him. And that's how, no matter what happens, we can always conduct ourselves in a worthy manner that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, unified in the Spirit, Because if we are not one with him, we can't be with one with another. We first have to be one with him, unified in the spirit. That's where it all starts. Contending as one begins with being unified in the spirit, one with him, so that you can be one with another, be unified in heart and mind. And Paul says... When you conduct yourself in a worthy manner, whether I come and see you or only hear about it, he says, I know that you have stand firm As you conduct yourself in a worthy manner, as you conduct yourself as a citizen in heaven, then I know that you have stand firm in one spirit, unified in heart and mind. Now, we need to keep this in mind Keeping the ultimate end in mind will always keep us more unified. Keeping the ultimate end. And the question comes up well, what is the ultimate end? What is the ultimate end? Some of us say, well, it's heaven. The ultimate end is heaven, and that will keep us all united and unified. Which is true, but it's also very selfish. Let me tell you where I went with this stand firm. When I read that word, stand firm, it reminded me of another place in the Bible where Paul writes to the church at Ephesus to stand firm. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Paul tells the church at Ephesus, stand firm. And as you stand firm, unified in heart and mind, what? Put on the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Feet, uh, have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. Take the shield of faith. Put on the helmet of salvation. Take the sword of the Spirit. And a lot of times, that's as far as we go. But there is another element to the armor of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the saints. Folks, the armor of God is not so much about us, but the armor of God is preparing ourselves so we can pray for one another. And what are we to pray? Listen to what Paul says. This is where it all, now let's connect the dots. This is what the armor of God is all about. Praying for all the saints. And Paul gives us a little insight how we're to pray. Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. What is the mystery of the gospel? you got to go back to Ephesians 3, 6, there on the bottom. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs with Israel, members together of one body, sharers together of the promise of Jesus Christ. The mystery of the gospel is that it's for the whosoever will. The mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as i should what is the ultimate end the ultimate end is as we unite ourselves with god we are united with one another and as we are unified in heart and mind the ultimate goal is that the name of jesus christ is proclaimed to this lost and dying world throughout our community throughout our neighborhood throughout our state, throughout our country, to the ends of the world. As we unite and as we are unified, one with the Spirit, we are also then unified in heart and mind where we put on the armor of God and we pray for one another that we may fearlessly declare the good news of Jesus Christ. And as we're unified in one Spirit, as we're unified in heart and mind, we will be unified in purpose. What is the purpose? The purpose is that we contend as one man for the faith of the gospel. We can't do it on our own. I can't do it on our own. my own. What unifies us? Oneness with the spirit. Mind and heart. Unified with the purpose of fulfilling the great commission of taking the good news of Jesus Christ to the ends of the world. Contending. That, that word contending in the King James, it's striving. It it literally can mean wrestling. But we're not wrestling against one another. We're not in contention with one another. We're wrestling together against the forces and the power of the evil one. That doesn't want the message of the good news to go out. So we contend as one. As we have unified ourselves with the spirit. And overlook our differences and become one regardless of our divisions, unified in mind and, and heart. Can, let me just share with you what we have done this past year alone as we have unified in purpose. Last year, we added six new missionaries and two dropped off and two replaced. We, we actually picked up Eight new missionaries last year. We gave twenty five thousand to a church in Northfield, Jen and Ron Darty, Rye City Church. We gave ten thousand dollars to the Johansons so they could have solar panels and a generator in the Middle East. If you remember, when the Ukrainian war broke out, there was a heart and mind. That we were all united and as the church did matching funds, we sent a little over $39,000 to aid the Ukrainian refugees over in Poland. The House of Mercy, $2,500 we gave to right down the street to the House of Mercy to help out with their new uh, uh, building that they built to, to house the, their food bank and their clothing a church plant in Vietnam through Jeff Hartzenfield who was our last year's missions convention $8,000 training pastors in Pakistan $5,000 we we the church Catherine clinic's daughter had this little walkathon for, walk for water we gave 1000 to and Chris, Abuso, and Julie, remember when they were here and they needed money for, to build a house for Lourdes and Pepe? Remember? And we saw that video, $4,200 we gave. A church plant in Macedonia, $5,000. And when Hurricane Aaron uh, Ian came through in Florida, we, we gave relief efforts up to $18,000 a convoy of hope. Other years, we have built wells in, in Africa. The focus now is right here in our own country, in the Navajo Nation's Indian Reservation out in Arizona. In fact, what's so, I'm so excited about this. Pastor Matt is planning an AIM trip to Navajo Nation, is leading an AIM trip for New Jersey. He's actually going to visit the very well we purchased there. And this is what's so cool about this. Not only does Navajo Nation for the Native Indians allow the Assemblies of God in to build a well, but with every well we build, they give us land to build a church. Come on, somebody. Now, look at this list for a moment. Where does missions begin? Home. Right down the street. The House of Mercy. And other things that we do support the food bank the state of New Jersey. You have been my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, the state, South Jersey, just about an hour away, Northfield. The nation, Wells, in Arizona, and to the ends of the world. We have taken that very diagram, we've invested in the world because we have been unified in purpose contending as one for the faith of the gospel because of being unified in the spirit we're unified in heart and mind we're unified in purpose folks we could not do this if it wasn't for god working through us pastor bonnie you can come And as we continue to contend as one, because there's power in oneness, there's power in unity. I'll show you where we've been over the past 28 years with our missions pledges. In 1996, we had our first missions convention, and we took up pledges, and the pledges that year totaled just about $400. That was our pledge. The Bible says, do not despise the small beginnings, for the Lord is glad to see the work begun. Just start started with what we had. And as we became united in spirit, heart and mind, united in a purpose, this thing, man, took off. It took off contending as one last year our mission's pledge were 11,142 and 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 <laughs> that's just the beginning because each year, I mean each month we average about 125% of our pledge and that's why we're able to do all those other projects because of the surplus we have contending as one and i say this to close this morning it's never about a dollar amount it's never about a dollar amount. Our goal next week for our missions convention, my goal, is not a dollar amount. I, it, it's, I just want every family in our church to make a pledge as we contend as one. We unite ourselves in purpose Of fulfilling the great commission. And every family. Makes a pledge. What you're going to do for the. cause of missions over this next year. And if every. Family. Makes a pledge. Whatever it is. I know. That God. Will give us the money. We need. To carry on the 67 missionaries now that we're supporting as well as other projects that's how God works so what am I asking I'm asking this week that you would take time aside and say Lord I want to unify myself with you and what would you have me do for the calls of missions that as we unify ourselves in heart and mind, as we as a church unify ourselves in purpose, contending as one, Lord, how would you use our family? How would you use us to contend with one in the church of what we can do for the cause of missions, supporting our missionaries and special projects this next coming year? And next next week, we'll be taking up our, our mission pledges. And I just ask that you would be really in fervent prayer, asking the Holy Spirit what he would do and what you could do through him.